What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a new week of Texans All Access and a wonderful Monday edition. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you this evening. And we're going to hear from a lot of assistant coaches tonight. Some, I think, is the first you've ever heard it. I know the first couple interviews right out of the gate, I know for a fact you haven't heard those. A couple interviews that I was able to do with a couple of assistant coaches. We'll do a little assistant coach Texans audio jukebox in our next segment to squeeze in a few things that I know I heard during the assistant coach interviews that I did a little dog head turn, not in a bad way, like, hmm, interesting. Okay. And when you have new assistant coaches, you're hearing their voices for the first time. Um, some of these guys I haven't even met, seen them in the building, but I haven't had a chance to meet them. But two of them that I was able to meet, linebackers coach Miles Smith and D-line coach and former linebackers coach Bobby King. I had an opportunity to go one-on-one with both of them. And here's my discussion with Miles Smith, Texans' new linebackers coach. Joining me now on Texans Radio, linebackers coach, Miles Smith. First of all, coach, I say this and I say this with, with all due respect, welcome to Houston. How does it feel to be a Houston Texan? Uh, couldn't be happier about it. You know, I'm still getting, getting used to the weather a little bit, a little more <laughs> humid than I'm used to, but uh, very ecstatic to be here. Now, I know your dad is from Texas, so coming back for him, that's, that's a pretty cool thing, but where does Texas kind of – fit in your life have you spent any time here what's what's it feel like to be here to Houston is this your first real uh uh allotment of time here in Houston uh yes you know I've never lived here however because I've had so much family here you know every year we know that we were taking a trip down to uh East Texas so been around generally in the Texas area but first time I've actually been able to you know put my roots down well, I'm glad you're here and glad you got the linebackers and coach. Let's talk about that group. Let's talk in general just about the linebacking group. You're going from the, the Texas 3-4 last year to a 4-3 this year. What does that mean for your linebacker group as far as changes? And I know there have been a lot of changes in personnel, but there obviously are some holdovers. But what's the biggest change for them going from one scheme, a 3-4, to a 4-3? In the end, I don't think there's a whole lot of major changes. Football is still football. Um, we yeah, might yeah. call things different positions, but in the end, we still have the, the same goal, you know, see ball, get ball. So I don't yeah. think there's a, a whole lot of huge changes. Uh, schematically, I think there are a couple different deals there where, you know, we're not going to be blitzing as much maybe and some things like that. But as a whole, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference. When you come into a new situation, Coach, and I asked this about Coach Camp, I asked this of Coach Camp and, you're totally new to the situation. When you took over, did you want to have a complete clean slate when you saw these guys? Didn't spend a lot of time with the film, or did you want to dive into the film and see what was already there and what you were working with? How did you kind of approach the offseason as you looked at the group you were about to coach? Well, the first thing you have to do is, you know, just dive into what's happened in the past. Um, we needed to evaluate the players that we had before we made any uh, additional decisions from there. Um, you know, the cupboard, to say the least, was not bare here. Right. So first thing we need to do is see who we had, and then we just need to find some other pieces to fit in. But and then you definitely have to start off with what you had before you got here. One guy that remains is Zach Cunningham, a guy that's had a lot of tackles, which 
Coach, sometimes I say tackles are an overrated stat, but he's had a lot of tackling. He's been around here for a while. What does Zach mean to this defense in 2021 and beyond? You know, Zach is a special football player. He's able to do a lot of things that, quite frankly, a lot of other linebackers can't do. Um, so I think he's going to have a huge impact on what we do going forward. Obviously, his stats are what they are. Kind of agree with you a little bit. I think tackles sometimes could be a little overrated. But um, as a whole, I think he has shown that he's as talented as any other linebacker in the NFL. So for us going forward, it's nice to have a piece in place that you really could depend on like him. Coach, I don't know if you've set goals for, hey, we want to be a, a top 10 defense or we want to be this or we want to be that. But I would imagine that you have probably been beaten over the head with the, <sighs> the results of last year from a turnover perspective because it wasn't pretty last year from a turnover perspective. I know sometimes turnovers are a product of luck, sometimes preparation, uh, opportunity, all that kind of thing. When it comes to turnovers, Coach, what's your thought and is it something you can work on? Is it something you can emphasize? Is it something that you can improve on? Or is it really just a product of luck and opportunity? Uh, to start off, I'm going to say we don't want to call them turnovers. These are takeaways. And I think that there that kind of gives you the mentality that we go into it. You know, takeaways don't happen by luck, by chance. It has to be a mindset on every given play. The goal of every play is to score. And the only way to score is to take the ball away. So whether we're on offense, we're on defense, we're on special teams, that goal stays the same. And I think as long as we as coaches coach it up every single play in practice, every rep, we place that importance on it, naturally the takeaways are going to come. And I think our history has proven that. I love that answer, Coach. That's the best answer I've gotten today. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I've got to – I do that a lot. I refer to them as turnovers. But you're right. There absolutely are takeaways because you're going and doing it. You're taking it away. I love that answer. Similar question. The run defense last year, not very good. What's the biggest thing that's got to change in your group to be better against the run games? And obviously six of our games are against three of the better run games in the NFL, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and Tennessee. What's the biggest thing that's got to happen to help the linebackers and the entire defense be better against the run? You know, I don't know as much of what's happened in the past because, you know, since I've gotten here, I'm just looking at what we're going to do in the future. Right, what right. I do know is that, as a defense, we're going to run our butts off to the football. You know, in the end, there's not a whole lot of difference in schemes and what people are trying to do. I think the biggest difference that some teams have with others is just the simple things, the fundamentals. Run to the ball, be fundamentally sound. And if you do those things, ultimately the stats are going to show it. All right, I got to ask this. For people that don't know, your dad is Lovey Smith. He's a defensive coordinator. I grew up with also a dad as a coach, but I never coached with him. And I guarantee you at some point we would have thrown hands on the sideline knowing my dad and myself. What is it like to coach with your dad? You know, in the end, it's – I'm hesitating a little bit because I don't really think of it as me coaching with my dad. Yeah. You know, I think of it as me coaching with a man who has a lot of football knowledge to give. And I try to take as much advantage of it day after day is trying to learn as much football from him as possible. You know, we're blessed to be around a lot of different good football coaches around this building, and he's one of those. He's seen a lot of football, and I'm just trying to learn from all the things that he has learned over the, over the years. 
That says good in answer and as PC in answers, you could have given me coach. <laughs> I, I love, I, I love it. One last thing. You spent the last few years in the college game at university of Illinois college game different from the NFL game. Some of the things you can do hash marks three yards downfield for offensive linemen, which I know for defensive coaches just makes you pull your hair out. But because some of that stuff is moving towards the NFL, I would imagine there's some crossover that can help you. How do you feel like the college game and being in the college game will help you moving forward and move back into the NFL? Well, as we're seeing with the evolution of offensive football, a lot of the college aspects are now, you know, they're getting to, uh, they're migrating to the NFL. So I think uh, our defense as a whole has been able to make certain adjustments over the past couple of years that are going to play uh, a little bit more importance going forward. A lot of the option things, stuff like that, you know, we've been able to develop some rules to deal with those where now when they eventually come up in the NFL, we're going to be ready for them. Coach, I can't thank you enough for your time, my friend. Thank you very much and best of luck this year. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Got to admit, Miles is a really, really good sport having to deal with me asking him questions about uh, being Lovey Smith's son. Look, there's no question he's very proud of being Lovey Smith's son, but I think Miles definitely wants to make his own way as a coach. And oh, by the way, he just happens to be Lovey Smith's son. And I hope for him that's going to be what happens as a linebackers coach here in Houston. But it wouldn't have mattered whether his dad was Lovey Smith or he had played for his dad a long time ago. I'm always intrigued by guys that have played for their dad, but even more so coached with their dad. I told Coach Smith afterwards, I saw him in the hallway, and I just said, man, I know that I, had I coached with my pops, and of course yesterday was Father's Day, and had a good conversation with him. I called him. He's watching the Astros which is awesome. He's now back in Wisconsin. He and my mom are back in Wisconsin. And they're watching the Astros. He doesn't miss an Astros game. I, I love it. He doesn't watch the Brewers uh, unless they're on at a different time. If it came down to Astros or Brewers, he would be watching the Astros. Then he had the U.S. Open on, and he's got the volume blaring. So I can hear all the golf in the background while he's got the Astros game on the iPad. Anyhow, I know that we would have butted heads pretty hard. When he coached me, we butted heads. One of my favorite stories was when he coached me, he was a defensive coordinator, but for some reason he had a play in a game and he drew it up for me to go catch a touchdown. And I didn't do what I was supposed to. He told me, literally, run this route to the post because he saw something. So head coach slash offensive coordinator is like, all right, let's do it. So I go out there and I run my route, and I cut it off short because I saw the safety back there. So I cut it off short. Quarterback threw it to the goal post, incomplete. Call timeout, go over to the sideline, and he is standing there. And I'm the last one to get over there because I'm on the far, I'm all the way back in the end zone. coming. So I'm the last guy to get over there. So he turns to me and goes, run the right route. And, of course, being, I don't know, 15, 14, 15, your dad tells you to do something. You don't care as a coach. Your dad tells you, and you're like, I, the words came out of my mouth, and I was like, uh-oh. And I was like, I did. And then I was like, oh, no. And he took his manila his manila folder, you know, those the little manila folder, manila folder, whatever you call them, the, you know, just a little folder you make play cards out of. It had nothing in it. So there was nothing there. And he turned, and he used that play card. Thank God it wasn't laminated. And he just smacked me right in the face. I mean, it didn't hurt, 
But it got my attention, and I was just like, all right, watch this. All right. And I mean, I didn't say anything. I was like, you know. But as I'm going out to the huddle for the next play, which is going to be the same play, I'm like, I'm going to show him. I'm going to run it the same exact way. I run it the same exact way, and I catch a touchdown. And I learned a lesson that day that, you know, fathers usually know best. But that story illustrates just how difficult it sometimes can be in a competitive situation with your father. So hopefully, Miles and, and Lovey will uh, have a great relationship, and I know they do, and have a great coaching relationship and help this defense get uh, out of the doldrums where it was last year and make it a respectable unit, one that we're used to seeing here in the city of Houston. Now, Miles coaches linebackers. Now, the guy who coached linebackers last year was Bobby King, and I love Bobby. He is one of my favorite assistant coaches. We always, it never fails, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, maybe earlier, maybe 6 to 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday, game day, you can count on seeing Bobby King in the workout room. You know I know this? Because every game that we are on the road, we are working out next to one another. He's going to work out. I'm just getting a run in. Um, but we're they're always there. We always you know kind of chit-chat beforehand. Great guy. Now, defensive line coach for your Houston Texans. And... I thought it was interesting because I asked him about being a defensive line coach after being a linebackers coach, and he had to, well, kind of put me in my place a little bit because he reminded me that he's going back home, if you will. Back on Texans Radio, John Harris here alongside new defensive line coach, former linebacker, so he's been around, changing a little bit, my man Bobby King. Coach, first of all, how are you doing, my friend? How's this offseason been? Outstanding. It's great to have the players here and couldn't be more fired up about the group I'm working with. So all well right now, John. Coach, I know when people hear linebackers and you move to defensive line, that's a it seems like a big transition. I know it's got to be. What's been the biggest factor for you this offseason and kind of making that transition from coaching guys standing up playing linebacker to hands on the ground playing defensive line? Don't tell anybody. It's a big secret, but I'm a D-laminate heart now. Okay, that's what I played and. <laughs> Yeah. And to be honest with you, besides these last couple of years, I've always been involved with the pass rush, you know, because, you know, when we go nickel defense back in the day, yeah. you, know, you know what I'm saying? You're working with the OLBs, they become defensive ends. So I've always been involved, but couldn't be more fired up. So it's been a good Coach, transition. You got a, Coach, you got a number of different players added to the scheme, Malik Collins, Vincent Taylor. What have you seen from the veterans that have been added. I'll ask you about your rookie in a second, but what about the veterans that have been added? What are they bringing to the defensive line booyah base, if you will? You know what? It's since day one with these guys. I'm talking about even with the Zoom calls before we met in person. I mean, it's been a hungry, competitive group in a good way. And they they go out there and battle. I don't have to tell them to work. Some groups with vets and stuff, you got to kind of prod them along. Not this group. They come out there and they are fired up, ready to roll, wanting more. And it's it's been a joy so far and look forward to training camp, obviously, when the pads come on. Coach, I've asked Lovey about this, about a 3-4 defense last year. And, and, look, I know, and you know as well, in the NFL, things are, you know, they kind of blur the lines at 3-4-4-3. But one thing Lovey said to me that, that really stood out, he said, I'm really a believer in a four-man down line. How does that How does that play with the group? How does that play for you? How does that make things different? the fact that it is going from a 3-4 to a 4-3. And does that make coaching that group that much more different because the scheme is different from what it was last year? 
You know what, like, like you just said at the beginning of the question, you know, we've, we've done a lot of this stuff, but, you know, our base defense was a 3-4. There's no doubt about that. But the biggest thing, John, is we're going to be in three-point stances a majority of the time, and that's going to be the big thing for the defensive ends. And they're hungry to do it, and they're loving it so far. So, you know, two-point stance, you know, it's, you know, it's, not, it's not going to be around. Yeah, no doubt. Guys putting their hands in the dirt, literally putting their hands in the dirt. It's kind of nice. Coach, you saw it from – uh, a different perspective last year, but now you see it up close with Ross Blacklock. He's going into his second year. The 2020 COVID year was different for everybody. I would imagine for rookies, it was a wild thing going on. How do you feel like Ross is acclimated to the new system? And what do you want to see from Ross Blacklock in year two? You know, the, uh, which I've told Ross, this is pretty much his first offseason in the NFL. It's not yeah. pretty much. It, it is because just because of last year. And so he's learning on the fly. He's getting better every day. And I'm expecting big things from Ross. I mean, he's a great kid. He's got a lot of ability. Now we got to tap into it and, and look forward to what he's going to do for us this year. Coach, this is always a fun question because in the offseason, you guys don't get to put pads on. And so you hear coaches say, well, you know, it's seven on seven time and it's this and it's that. But there's still a lot to get done at every single position, even if you're not putting on the pads. What's the focus for you with the defensive line this offseason when you can't put the pads on, you can't just go bang and hit and do those things. What are you focused on with this defensive line during this offseason period? Obviously, learning the scheme is the number one thing. You know, you have to learn all – it's a new language. We've done most of – a lot of these blitzes in the past, but it was called something different. So, it's like knowing right. English and learning Spanish. So, they have to learn the whole new language. And then with me, John, it's all technique and it's all fundamentals. Learning how to win, learning how to pass rush, learning how to defeat a block. So that's what we've been concentrating on those things. And you get a draft pick added to the mix to Roy Lopez. I know rookies uh, obviously don't have anything guaranteed to them, but you got a young man that grew up as a wrestler. He grew up a coach's kid. There are a lot of things to like about Roy. What have you seen early from Roy in his early career here with the Texans? So far, Roy's, Roy's been great. He's, um, he's a smart kid. Like you talked about, he's got some big legs. He's, strong lower half. I mean, huge legs. So, you know, you know, I'm hoping once the pads get on, what I'm thinking right now is he's going to be a tough guy to move. And he's a great kid. He's a sponge. He's a, he's a guy that's not saying a whole lot right now. He's just, he's a, he's a man of action. And um, I think some good things are in the future for Roy. Coach, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And hopefully we get a chance to do this in person down the road. You got it, John. I love that coach King gets an opportunity to get back to what he's most comfortable coaching that being a defensive line uh, where he cut his teeth, if you will. And Nick Casario talked about this with Sean and Seth and mentioned Coach King by name and said, Bobby's done a great job with these defensive linemen. And there are a lot of them to choose from and a lot of them that have got a ton to prove. I don't think there's anybody on that defensive line where you go, okay, yeah, this guy's, He's proved everything he's, he's needed to prove. I mean, Roy Lopez, rookie. Malik Collins, man, can he get back to any kind of form that he had two years ago? Because last year was not a very good year for him. Can he prove that that's behind him? Charles Amenahu, can he step into that role of being the top rusher? Whitney Merciless, can he bounce back from a rough 2020? Ross Blacklock, what's he made of? This defensive line has got question, I don't want to say question marks, but it's got guys that have got a lot to prove Shaq Lawson, what can you do in the first year here for the Texans? Can you be that bona fide star that you're expected to be after being a first-round pick? So it's going to be very, very interesting to see this defensive line group led by Bobby 
King. So big thanks to Coach Smith, Coach King, for joining me on the show. All right, when we get back, we're going to do a little assistant coach audio jukebox. We're going to hear from Coach Jackson, among others. Coach Jackson talking about the safeties. I thought he had some interesting things to say. We'll get to those next right here on Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. Welcome back. It's Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Glad to be with you. And it's time for a little assistant coach audio jukebox. Now, some of these interviews I had a chance to hear. Some of them I didn't because I was doing interviews, as you heard in the first segment, with Bobby King, defensive line coach, Miles Smith, linebackers coach, even Robert Prince, wide receivers coach, and James Campanile, offensive line coach. We were doing interviews with them, so I didn't get a chance to hear a lot of these, these cuts. So it's kind of the first time for me, so I can imagine it may be the first time for you. One that stood out, just from reading the transcript, one that stood out that I definitely wanted to hear was Greg Jackson, the new safeties coach. He played safety for the New York Giants, late 80s, early 90s, championship in 1990, and was a key figure. And it's funny because Greg Jackson, I'm trying to place the name, and then I was like, oh, wait, hold on, number 47, New York Giants. That's just the number, and I, then I can picture who that, who that is. Well, he's now coaching the safeties, and he was first asked, about Lonnie Johnson. And I think if you made you made a list of all right, these players have got to be players. Like these players, lowercase, have got to be players, uppercase. Lonnie Johnson is certainly, certainly one of those guys. Here is safety's coach Greg Jackson talking about. Lonnie Johnson with a world of potential. Can he hit it in 2021? The first thing I saw was the length, how, how tall, how long he was. And I, I think the biggest thing when you look at a player like that and he's he's got the size, the first thing you think about is, man, that would be great looking safety. You know, one of the things about him is that, you know, he has all the ability to come inside and play. The problem with that sometimes with corners moving to safety is that you have those guys that are usually playing everything from outside in. And I think he's done a tremendous job at moving to the safety position and start to understand how to take the proper angles as a safety. It's a little bit different, you know, playing the corner position because you're just, like I said, you're just playing everything from outside in with him. It's more of the just repetition for him and being consistent at what he does. I mean, he's a really good player. He's athletic. But I think the biggest thing with him is just understanding uh, the concept of the safety position and how to just take proper angles and how to be a better tackler. And I think one of the things with him just doing this OTA camp is that he's been doing a pretty good job at doing those things. He's been focused. He's been concentrating. You know, he's been here. And that's the first step that he must, you know, must take. I'll add on top of that just a little bit. When the pads go on, the tackling part, I think Lonnie's always been able to move. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you can see him move. He's a pretty fluid. He was pretty fluid at corner. Even more fluid at safety. But it's just a matter of being a better tackler. He's a willing hitter. He's scared of no one and nothing. I mean, he comes from Gary, Indiana. He's not scared of anything. But he's got to be a better tackler. That's something that absolutely has to happen in 2021 
Here's Coach Jackson talking about Justin Reed. And I mentioned earlier, there were certain points in listening to assistant coaches or, or reading the transcripts where I was like, whoa, I kind of I want to hear this because what I saw in the transcript, very intriguing. And this is one of those moments of Coach Jackson talking about Justin Reed. I love him as a player. I think he has all the ability in the world to be that safety that's a leader back there. I think he's a good tackler. Um, just from watching on tape, I think he's a guy that can play from sideline to sideline versus the pass. And I think he is a really good communicator back there. He's really smart, really bright. And one thing about Justin, he's always going to ask you the difficult questions uh, in the classroom. So I like all those things about him. I think it's just a matter of him and all the other guys just being consistent on a daily basis in order to get better. He hit that one on the nose. He was asked a little later about Justin and kind of diving in further into Justin's play last year in particular. He had something to say I thought was pretty interesting because if you think about the previous coaching staff, there's something that they value. And I think all NFL teams value it. I don't think there's any question in that. But Coach Jackson brings up a great point about Justin Reed and not doing too much, not having to think about being versatile, just being focused on one particular job. When I watched the tape, the first thing I thought about is he th he's thinking too much and not just playing football. When I say that, I say he's making a lot of different checks, communicating with different guys, rather than just trying to focus on playing the free safety position, which is just uh, looking at the formations, looking at tendencies, you know, out on the field, following the quarterback. And I think in this system here, I think he's going to rise up and I think he's going to do some good things for us because this defense is simple, but it's fast and it allows you to play football. And that's what we try to instill in our players is that we're not going to make anything difficult for you. We're going to try to make it as simple as possible and we're going to allow you to play football. And I think that's what you see in air. I mean, in Justin, when you watch the tape is that he's going to improve. You just need to take a whole bunch of the thinking out, you know, because even though he's a smart player, when you get out on that football field, it's all about playing fast. And I think, you know, in this system, it's going to allow him to do that. I really loved what coach Jackson had to say about his safety group. He mentioned a little while later about Eric Murray and just said, do we want to focus on one position? Was just fly in the face a little bit of the versatility argument of previous staffs, whatever the case might be. But I, I sort of liked hearing that because even though guys have been in the NFL, oh, you should know this, you should know that. Sometimes guys play slower because they're thinking through, okay, wait, am I at strong or am I at free? Am I at star? Where am I? Okay, wait, what's the scheme? And you're thinking and you're not playing. And he said that about Justin Reed. So I think not that the, the scheme is going to be any easier, but if you're focused on one particular position, that's your home, then you can focus on that and that job alone, and you end up being a faster player out on the field uh, and a better player at that point. All right, let's hear from Pep Hamilton, quarterback's coach, passing game coordinator. I don't think we've had Pep on the show. I'd love to get an interview with Pep, but we'll have to settle for some of his cuts for now with the media in Houston. And the first question, of course, what's your philosophy in coaching quarterbacks? Well, I think, um, you know, Coach Cully has mentioned quite often that, hey, we're going to be a fundamental-based team. Uh, and that's, that's collective throughout 
the organization. You know, we want to start by doing things the right way. And um, we'll see. We'll see what that ultimately is. I mean, what do we have to do to win games uh, is yet to be determined. You know, we're, we're still in the stages of uh, not evaluating players, but just teaching and, and really, you know, just trying to give them a fundamental base that's going to help them to play winning football during, during our upcoming season. Of course, the point has been made often, every time you turn on the radio, TV, read something, oh, the Texans have got a lot of new players. they got a lot of new coaches. Yeah, it's called change. Now, is it more change than we've seen? Probably. Well, definitely around here. But there are a lot of new players, a lot of new faces. And Pep Hamilton's really in charge of kind of leading that group and he talked about what the philosophy is for the coaches in dealing with so much change you know what it's, it hadn't been very difficult at all I think uh you know when you consider what we had to deal with last offseason just having the opportunity to uh share the field with our guys has uh has really been a plus for us it gives us an opportunity as I mentioned before to uh to really get our players grounded in fundamentals you know that's the thing that coach uh coach Cully has emphasized and uh you know having the players in the building the players that are here in the building uh, it's been great one of my favorite answers came to a question that I think every coach gets at some point when they take over to job, whatever the case might be. And it essentially becomes kind of the chicken or the egg argument, which, you know, which one comes first. And for football and for football coaches, it is, this is my system. I will shoehorn you into it. Or these are my players and I will shoehorn them into the system. There's a, there's a, different way of thinking for some people and and there's you know different ways of thinking I mean you can look at uh you know previous staff with Bill O'Brien it was we're gonna do offensively what it is that I do and we'll make everybody adjust and oh we might put a few wrinkles in because now we got Deshaun Watson etc but it was no we're running this particular system whether it fit the players or not and there's good and bad to both There's good and bad to having your system, what you're comfortable with. Then there's the flip side of, hey, look, we've got these particular players. We're going to make the most out of that particular system. So Pep was asked about Terod Taylor in this offense led by offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. I thought Pep's answer was fantastic. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, first and foremost, you know, when you look at, you know, Coach Cully's background as an offensive head coach, I think without a doubt, our staff understands that it's our job to do whatever it is our players do well and to uh, to ultimately put them in a position to be successful and score as many points as we can, in particular, one more point than the opponent this upcoming fall. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we have uh, enough experience and creativity uh, on the offensive staff to come up with ways to give our, our guys a tr- uh, strategic advantage. And of course, you heard Coach Hamilton there refer to Coach Cully. Let's hear what Pep had to say about the head coach of your Houston Texans, David Cully. High energy, um, I think more importantly, positive energy. And um, and the players, you know, they're working hard. Their attitudes have been great. And uh, Coach has been very specific and in, in, in just making the point that, you know, fundamentals are going to be the key to our success. And uh, we're excited to, uh, to do just that, you know, put our guys in a position to have a chance to go out and play winning football. I know there's been so much discussion this offseason about the, this coaching staff, about David Culley taking over as head coach. But Coach Hamilton used two words there, positive energy. And having, 
you know, been around in a lot of different places, whether it's here with the Texans, whether it's playing, um, you know, at Brown, whether it was coaching myself down in Florida, I've realized that positive energy is worth so much more than you would ever think. Now, does that mean that mistake is made and it's a mistake that's repeated and you're not going to get frustrated as a coach and you're just going to let it slide? No, not at all. That's, that's not the point. But you're also not going to look at that player that makes that mistake, even if it's happened a couple of times, and just shun and move that player aside. And it's a, con- it's a consistent negative uh, feeling for those particular players. I mean, I could think of a handful of guys that I know lost confidence as young players um, because they'd make a mistake and that was it make one mistake, maybe make two mistakes, maybe make the same mistake two, three times. And yes, I'm well aware it is the NFL and these are professional athletes and they get paid, but there's still something to be said for maintaining a positive energy. And I can tell you a thousand percent that is felt throughout the building. That is absolutely felt throughout the building. I, I, you know, being out of the building for so long, you know, new coaching staff comes in and you're still not really, you know, seeing them every day because of the COVID stuff. And then you start to, with vaccinations, you start to kind of open up a little bit in the building and just, you see assistant coaches and they greet you going down the hallway. You see uh, the equipment guys and they're greeting you going down the hallway. Hey man, how you doing? I mean, there's just a different vibe in the building and that's emanating from up above. And I love that. And David Cully, I think brings that. Now, Will that, and can that be a detriment? Well, yeah, if a coach is not doing his job, and that is correcting mistakes, making sure those things get fixed for the next time the team goes out on the field, yes, it can be a problem if you just gloss over it because, well, you know, we've got a positive vibe, and yeah, you can have a positive vibe in the building, and you still can correct mistakes. You still can get on guys a little bit, um, because they're coachable um, and they want to be coached. Yeah, that's within the realm of positivity, yes. But over the years, I don't know that, um, I think we sort of kind of, I've seen it not only the last few years here, I've seen it in other places. When that vibe gets negative, forget it. Doesn't matter what what business it is. Um, And I think it was definitely in that crevasse um, for a while, and there's only so much that the guys can do to get it out of there. So it just kind of needs to be cleansed, and hopefully it is with Coach Cully emanating that positivity uh, throughout the building, and hopefully you know guys feed off of that. They play for him. They play for the staff. They play for the organization, um, and Nick and Cal, and they get it done in the right positive way. And that'll make everybody feel good if they can get it done. Now, you got a bunch of good guys in the building and not get any wins. That's not good either. So you got to make sure this positive energy is channeled in through in through the players, out on the field for a tremendous product that everybody can be happy with that generates W's. That ultimately is the goal. People get there different ways. I think the way that Coach Cully is going to get there and the way that he does it, I'm a little bit more of a fan of. So we'll hopefully uh, continue that down the road. Uh, with a positive energy, but I thought that Coach Hamilton pointed that out was a really key instance in his press availability uh, last week. All right, that's going to do it 
for assistant coach audio jukebox. A big thanks to Coach Jackson and to Coach Hamilton. Let's go around the NFL. There's still plenty happening, even when everybody's out of the building. There's still a lot going on in the NFL. We'll get to all that next right here on Texans All Access. Oh, yeah, we got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access on a wonderful Monday evening. Glad you are with me this June 21-21. I like that. I'm a, I'm a, you know I'm a numbers guy. It's sort of like alliteration, but with numbers. It's, I guess it's not really a rhyme scheme. It's 6-21-21. I don't know. There's something about that that's just, it does my OCD right. All right, let's go around the NFL and... By going around the NFL, we'll go to the NFL's farm system, a.k.a. the NCAA. This one's massive. The Supreme Court unanimously ruled that the NCAA can't enforce certain rules limiting the educated-related benefits, things like computers, grad scholarships, that colleges offer athletes. Now, the case brought to the Supreme Court doesn't decide whether students can be paid salaries. Instead, the ruling will help determine whether schools decide to offer athletes tens of thousands of dollars in those benefits for things, including tutoring, studying abroad, abroad, and internships. Justice Kavanaugh really was, um, he was the, he was the judge who really kind of laid the smack down, if you will, on the NCAA. This is going to be groundbreaking. I don't know what it results in right now, but that's massive because the NCAA, uh, whether people look at it this way or not, it's the farm system for the NFL, uh, the college football. I mean, it's the second biggest sport in the United States. I mean, people love college football. We all know how much money college football has brought in and the student athletes don't see any of that. There's been a lot of talk about name, image, likeness. Then you have this case going down. Uh, the NCAA, uh, Sean Alston and Ed O'Bannon versus the NCAA. There have been a lot of different plaintiffs that have joined in. This is a, it's a really, it's going to be an interesting case to see 10 years from now what this all, what it all means. What does it mean for student athletes at the collegiate level? There's been talk for years about paying in some way, shape, or form. And I think over the years, I've sort of changed my, I think changed my tune. I think part of it was having in, you know, having worked in, in business and just seeing, you know, fair market value of things and realizing, you know what, Johnny Manziel, people want to pay for his autograph. He should be able to get people to give him money for his autograph. You know, players produce billions and billions and billions of dollars. And man, wait till this new college football playoff 12-teamer comes out, how much money that's going to be. These players deserve a piece of the pie, if you will. Yes, I know they're getting a scholarship. I, I mean, I get all that, and I understand that is above and beyond what a normal student or a non-student-athlete is paying. And, and But those student-athletes are producing so much money for the schools, they deserve a piece of the pie. So this is going to be a case... Uh, that watching it from afar over the next five to seven years, it's going to be really interesting how this shapes college sports going forward. A guy who was college football's best defensive player, the Negursi Award winner, 
Zavin Collins from Tulsa, arrested over the weekend, just drafted number 16 overall by the Cardinals in the 2021 draft. He had a famous, I think it's gone viral on YouTube, reaction to Steve Kime calling him, telling him what they were going to do and the ring they were going to get when they won a championship. Well, he was apparently arrested for excessive speed and reckless driving. He was driving 76 and a 35. Now, there's no apparent, there's no apparent um, substance abuse or anything like that. It just sounds like he was driving really, really fast where he shouldn't have been and got arrested for that. Hopefully, there's nothing more sinister there. But, man, it's not a good look when your first rounder gets arrested. Ask the Titans and Isaiah Wilson. Now, I think Zayvon Collins, A, way better football player than Isaiah Wilson. But don't find yourself in the hot water that Isaiah Wilson did right off the bat. Please, please don't. I mean, Zayvon Collins is one of my favorite football players, I I don't want to say of all time, but man, pretty close. I know in 2020, I tried not to miss a game when he was playing because he was a unicorn. I mean, he's the size of an old school linebacker with the speed of a new school linebacker. I mean, he's phenomenal, and I hate seeing him get himself uh, in trouble at all. So hopefully this is lesson learned. Slow yourself down in a 35 and move on from there. The last note is a Manning note. I don't want to say unsurprisingly. We hit on the Mannings every now and again. But this one's about Eli. I mentioned earlier Peyton Manning's going to go into the ring of honor. Eli Manning, A, on the business operations side now, with the New York Giants. So he's going to be on the same side of the building that we are all on, I'm on, the business operations side, which is going to be kind of interesting to see. So he's going to be over on that side, helping with sales, glad-handing, whatever he's going to do. And the second part is that his number 10 will be retired on September 26th, and he will be inducted into the Giants' ring of honor when they play the Atlanta Falcons at MetLife Stadium. Eli, congratulations. Man, to do what Eli did in the shadow of his brother Peyton, really, we probably should be tipping our cap a little bit more. Yes, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he won two rings, and he was one heck of a player for the Giants, and he's going up in the ring of honor. I do think he'll end up in the Hall of Fame, but that said, that's an argument for a different day. The fact that he did that following the shadow of his brother, I think is just amazing. Absolutely amazing. So congratulations to Eli Manning, seemingly a giant for life. A big thanks to everybody on the show. Miles Smith, Bobby King, Pep Hamilton. We also had Greg Jackson, safety's coach, speaking of giants. All of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.